You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Amazing. Cool opportunity, isn't it? Just to, just to connect and to hear and to watch and see family dynamics. And uh, what a privilege to be able to stand alongside these amazing families as well. So we are in the middle of a series called Prayers That Change Heaven. What happens when people pray? What happens when we connect to the truth of heaven? What happens when we connect to God's heart for humanity? What does that mean for us? And what does that mean for things here on earth? Uh, today, we're going to listen in on a prayer of the Apostle Paul. Who was Paul? Paul was a man who used to be called Saul. He had an encounter with God, which we're going to talk about today. And then he became a very different person from the one he was before his encounter with Christ. He wrote much of the New Testament. Uh, We're so blessed to have the conversations that he had with the various churches that he planted. Much of his uh, writing was written from jail. It's like he couldn't be with them, so he wrote them a note to say, hey, I hope you're doing okay. And I'm so glad that he took the time. He wasn't sulking in prison, but he actually went, you know what? If I'm here, I'm going to make use of my time. And so we're so thankful for the letters that he wrote. But this prayer we're going to look at in the, in the book of Ephesians, it's not your normal prayer. It's probably not some of the prayers that we even pray. You know, even though um, they were living in a, in a culture that was hostile to Christianity, pretty tough to be a Christian in Ephesus, Paul doesn't pray for protection for them. Although some of them might have been sick or poor, Paul doesn't pray for prosperity and health. Although some of them were wrestling with, with the pain and the disappointment and sadness, God doesn't, Paul doesn't pray for happiness and joy. What Paul prays is so much deeper. It may be a prayer that you and I might wish to pray over ourselves and pray over those around us. I want to pray uh, a share from uh, Ephesians 1, 16 to 19. This is Paul speaking to the church in Ephesus and speaking to the church of Whangarei here today, that we would hear his voice. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What an incredible prayer prayed over us. Can I join my prayer to Paul's as we open the word together? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for the, the wisdom and the, the revelation, the understanding that Paul gained when he had his encounter with you. God, I pray today we would not be the same when we leave this place, that we would have a greater knowledge of who you are and who we are when we commit to live our lives in you, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for our salvation. Thank you that you saved us from our sin, that we can stand here today redeemed and forgiven in the blood of the Lamb, that we can stand here with the promises of God in our lives. Lord, speak to us, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, in the book of Acts, uh, the Acts simply means the Acts of the Apostles or, or the things that took place. It's a real action book, obviously. In the book of Acts, we read that Paul comes across a group of believers and when he's talking to them, he, he senses something wrong. And he says, did, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? They said, uh, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. Paul was obviously a little bit concerned. 
said, well, what baptism did you receive? He asked them. He said, the baptism of John. In this moment, Paul realized that there was something fundamentally wrong with these people. That they were Christian, well, they said they were Christian, but they weren't truly Christian. They hadn't fully accepted and walked through the process of repentance and then walking with Jesus into baptism and then baptism in the Holy Spirit. We must be baptized in the Holy Spirit if we are truly to live the fullness of a life in Christ. When Jesus went, he says, I'm going to leave my spirit who will be a helper, who will walk with you, who will guide you and lead you. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. After this passage, we see Paul begin to work in Ephesus, establishing the church. While he was there, he was challenging the thinking of the believers. And as we read in his prayer today, it was about them understanding a greater, uh, gaining a greater understanding of God and His ways. A little bit of background in Ephesus. Ephesus was a very significant city in that time. And there was a, a temple of Artemis, a, a god that they would worship. Uh, spells and magicians and very, very um, spiritual and witchcraft. A lot of that was happening. In fact, the, the temple was so significant, it was considered one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. So people would come and they would worship. And that was, you know, to, 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 to grow as a Christian in the place of Ephesus was a challenge, a massive challenge, the spiritual opposition and the force that they would come up against. And so we read of the, the sick being healed and evil spirits being cast out. And many people became Christians, and so they turned from their practice of witchcraft and idolatry and began to burn all of these different spells and, and all of these things and idols, and they would get rid of them. And the Bible says it really impacted the city. In fact, verse 29, it says, Soon the whole city was in an uproar. Imagine if we would live a life so honoring of God that the city would be in an uproar. I heard a couple of, uh, I heard a couple of um, testimonies from people who went to Open Heaven. From different churches, they connected on the street, and, and it was like, hey, I saw you at Open Heaven. As somebody else walks in and says, I've got a sore neck, they said, well, can we pray for you? So two people from two different churches lay hands on somebody who's sick and begin to pray for his healing. I, I think that sounds like something I want to be a part of. God moving in a city, seeing the Spirit of God move as people would get a little bit brave and courageous enough to step out and, oh, can I pray for you? Come on, that's the life we want to live. Not that it would be in an uproar, but we need, we need this. We need what these Christians are carrying. So we see in this, as Paul writes to the, the people in Ephesus, Paul's an old man when he's writing this. So he's, he's done a lot of his ministry, and he's, he's finding himself now. His vision is failing. You know, he's getting, he's getting older, but he's writing about what he's learned, his understanding of God. And he writes to the church at Ephesus this amazing letter because Paul, he's learned some things, right? His watchman Nee, an author and a pastor and leader, he describes Ephesians broken into three different parts. Ephesians 1, 1 and 2, 3 and 4, 5 and 6 to sit, to walk, to stand. Chapters 1 and 2 talks about we are seated in heavenly places. Chapters 3 and 4, we are to walk, to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. Chapters 5 and 6, put on the full armor of God so that you might stand against the schemes of the evil one. Sit, walk, stand. There's a progression, there's a growth in our relationship. And the growth happens when we get an understanding of who God is. 
And so Paul opens this letter with, with this prayer for the church. As I mentioned earlier, Paul doesn't pray for protection, doesn't pray for healing, doesn't pray for joy and happiness and you know, bubbles and rainbows and unicorns. He prays something so much deeper that kind of goes beyond, let's be honest, sometimes I pray a few too many bless me prayers. God bless me, give me, give me, give me. Right? We've got we to pray, and those are good, and I'm going, to pray, I'm going to talk about a blessing prayer next week. But if it's all about the blessing, we can miss the knowing. We can miss knowing God for who He is. So this morning, I want to consider two things that Paul desires each follower of Jesus would experience. The first thing this morning, wisdom and revelation to know God better. Wisdom and revelation to know God better. This is an important prayer, deeper and more important than the bless me, give me, protect me, heal me, but to know God. God may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. This prayer for the spirit of wisdom, not to know more things, not for more strategies to solve the problems we have, but wisdom to know God better. That is so good and so important. If we consider that sometimes we we can pray a little bit thoughtless prayers, a little bit selfish. And sometimes even our prayers don't even agree with the nature of God or what He wants. We can pray our will, not His will. But Paul, when he speaks of this, he speaks of the work of the Holy Spirit in terms of how the prophet Isaiah spoke about the Messiah who would come, about Jesus who would come. Isaiah 11 verse 2 Listen to the similarity to the prayer we've just prayed. Listen to what was spoken hundreds of years earlier. Isaiah 11 two, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and of power. The Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Paul was grabbing the prophecy and the words that had been spoken before and speaking it over an audience that needed to hear it. Paul's prayer is that knowledge would come to us so we would know him. Revelation of God comes. How do we get the revelation of God? Sometimes God will speak to us in a moment and we'll feel it and we'll sense it in our heart. But if you want the ongoing, continual revelation of God, the very best thing we can do is to open the Bible every day and to read our daily bread, to to, to eat our daily bread. Man, if I only eat once a week, I'm not going to be nourished. I'm I'm not going to need, I'm not going to, have all the energy I need to to get through a day. But if I open the Word of God every day, and every day I take the Word of God as my sustenance, as wisdom and knowledge and understanding, that's where revelation comes. When we open the Word of God and, and the situation that we're walking through, the Word of God reads that situation and gives us understanding how to how to treat somebody, how to react to somebody, how to deal with disappointment. The Word of God gives us the, that understanding. Ask, seek, knock, pursue God's presence through His Word, and you will begin to learn more about Him. You will know Him. Second thing we read is an enlightened heart. Paul prays for an enlightened heart to see. This version, it speaks of the eyes of our heart. Quite a humorous statement, really, isn't it? This metaphor that he gives, because our heart doesn't have eyes. Our heart is inside our body. It doesn't see anything in the physical, right? But when, when the heart is talked about in Jewish culture, there's a, there's a deeper understanding. It's not just a, an organ that pumps blood and oxygen through our system. 
There's an understanding that the heart is so much deeper than that. It was used metaphorically to speak of a person's intellectual and their spiritual life. So we understand that our heart, there is so much more going inside of our heart than just blood and oxygen pumping through. So when Paul talks of an, an enlightened heart or a, or a heart with eyes to see, he's talking about a spiritual life. He's talking about a faith, a mind that is living in the light of God. A light which John declares, he says, God is light in him. There's no darkness at all. The darkness we experience, the darkness we walk in, John's saying, in God, there's, there's no darkness. And if we find ourselves in a place of darkness, it means we've stopped living in the light. And we need, all we need to do is just walk back into the light. You know, the shadows that we find ourselves in, and sometimes we pass through those shadows. Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil, and, and it's a walk, it's not a stay. It's a walk we walk through. We find hope and at the other end. But the light, when we have that light shine on us, it changes us. It takes us out of the shadows. See, when our value is not based on what people say, but what we know God says about us, then positive words won't puff me up. So if people tell me that I'm doing a good job, that's not going to puff me up. At the same time, people aren't going to tell me I'm doing a horrible job and that's going to get me down. Come on, in your workplace, in your homes, in your schools, the words that people speak over your life, they can lift us up or they can tear us down. How many, how many people have experienced that in their life? Where the words that we've had over us have, 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 have brought, brought us down. Or somebody said something about us that's kind of puffed us up and we've thought, wow, I'm all that. And really we're not. And so, so if, if the outside of our value is on what everybody else says about me, then that's un, un, unsustainable because it will be up and down every time. But what if there's a deeper value? What, what if my value is based on what I see from inside? It's not what happens to you that matters. It's what you understand about it that matters. If we don't understand it, if we don't perceive correctly what's going on, we're destined to repeat our failures. We're destined to react in the wrong way time and time again. Some translations put it this way. I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Understanding, I, I love this. Um, Pastor Luke shared this. Understanding is the truth we stand under. Understanding is the truth we stand under. We all stand under something, right? I want to ask some questions. What are the lies that you've stood under? What lies have been spoken over your life? You can't. You'll never. You'll never be. Those lies that people have spoken may be meaningful or, or, or unintentional. They've spoken those lies, and we can stand under these lies, but, but that's not who we are. We need to stand under, have an understanding of God's truth over our lives. Saul, before he was renamed Paul, he lived quite a life, and he lived under a lie. He thought he was doing God's will. He was so passionate, there was no one like Saul. Saul was so good at what he did. He was the best persecutor of Christians. He was sent on missions to go and take care of all the Christians. And he was going, God, I'm serving you with all of my heart. Blind on the outside. Or he thought he could see on the outside, but blind from the inside. When you're blind on the inside, you call right wrong. 
and you call wrong right. Isn't that the world we live in today? My truth. We don't need an absolute truth. We just need my truth. I'll just, I'll just live my way. I did it my way. My way. Me, me, me. Me, me, me. That's a scary thought that, that I would have the answers to life. <laughs> You'd be in trouble if it was up to me. Trust me. I'm so thankful that I stand under a truth of God's word. Though Paul could see on the outside, he couldn't see on the inside. He was walking in this one-dimensional sight, but then he saw a light. We, we sung about that. Then I saw the light. I saw the light, and it was a big light. It was a light that knocked him off his horse, literally. Down to the ground, scales on his eyes, couldn't see for three whole days. Blinded. No longer could he see in the physical. He now had to see in the spiritual. Uh, Every now and then, God interrupts our plans. Anyone have a plan that was interrupted by God? You, You set this really great idea. You ask God to bless it, and then he says, I've got another plan. I was 21 years old, um, loved football. I was all about football. Uh, we, were, we were talking about going down to Auckland and um, pursuing football. I had a couple of clubs interested in uh, having me play for them. And so that was kind of where we were thinking. I love church, being involved in church, serving in the worship team and working with the kids' ministry. We love being in church, and that wouldn't change. But then I had a knee injury. Went into a tackle. My knee went over and waiting for a week for surgery. And I'm lying flat on my back here in Whangarei, lying flat on my back. And it was kind of like a week-long conversation I had with God. It was just this kind of conversation, going backwards and forwards. And, and it, was, it was just like God was saying, well, what would you do? Because I hadn't really looked at my career and what did I want to do and what I want to achieve. I was kind of heading in a path towards sports business management. And that was kind of you know, where I was heading, but not, not a massive passion towards it. And I began to say, I'd, I'd love to write songs and write books and work with kids and youth. And I had all these things that weren't really in what I was about to do, if you know what I mean. And in that moment, that week, I got a phone call from an Anglican vicar in Kaitaia saying, hey, we need a youth pastor. And we've been praying for 15 years and um, you're, you're the guy we think should be the person. And I told Amy, and, and this is when we knew it was God, because Amy said yes. She said, well, that sounds like God. And there was no Kmart. And there was no warehouse back then. So it must have been God. <laughs> Sometimes God knocks us off our horse in order to show us his light. So Paul's lying on the ground. And he says, who is it? The voice spoke out of the light and says, it is Jesus who you persecute. And he's down. And the greater light comes upon him. And now he's been exposed to the light because he was thinking persecuting Christians was a good thing. Now he's like, okay, what do I do now? What do you want me to do? What's my response now that I can't see with my physical eyes, but I am seeing that you are indeed Jesus, the one whom I'm persecuting. The eyes of Paul's heart have been enlightened. They've been lit up. He was never the same again. And so Paul, he prays that our hearts would be enlightened, would be lit up. Why? So we could see three things I want to quickly share as the team come. Three things that would be lit up for us to see. The first one is the hope of Jesus Christ. The passage here, it says that you would know the hope, that you would see the hope 
of Jesus Christ. Our world is in desperate need of a Savior. We've got people living according to their own truth, a truth that is a lie. Our nation, Aotearoa, needs Tarongapai, needs the good news of Jesus. We need our Savior. We need the hope that we carry each of us to be able to reach other people. I had the privilege um, last week uh, to go on a bit of a journey, a hikoi, up into Pai here in Bay of Islands and to, to go and stand and listen to some of the, the stories of the, the entry of faith into our nation. Stood on the, the shore of Ohi Bay where Samuel Marsden preached in 1814 the very first gospel message. I, I, I wept. I just fell on my knees and wept and wept and wept. I just pictured and imagined what would have happened as as the good news came. But you know what? God had already been speaking to our nation. Even before Samuel Marsden arrived, the prophets had been talking about Tamai Rorakutia, the one who was killed, the son who was killed. There, There was a prophecy, this is coming. It's coming, be ready, be ready. And the people were ready to receive the good news. Samuel Marsden preaches from Luke 2, Behold, I bring you great tidings of joy. Hope has come. It's recorded that some some were there on that day and said, We don't understand. And Ruatara, who was the one who invited Samuel Marsden to come and bring the message, he says, You might not understand now, but you will. You will understand. Why? Because when hope transforms us, when we have an encounter with the living God, we are never the same. And our community knows that. When you live a life that was different to the way you used to live, when Saul got up and he became Paul and he's living a different life, people look at you and say, you are different. What is the reason why? That's where our testimony comes out. I want to tell you about the hope of Jesus in my life. See, when we live out what God has done in our life, that transformed life impacts Everyone around us, we need the gospel to be preached every day. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit evident in the way we love people, forgiving people who have wronged us, letting go of the past and walking in freedom and forgiveness. See, when forgiveness was extended rather than utu, I used to think that Utu was just revenge, but it was a restoring of honor. Now I understand the need to restore honor. I, I revenge my brother's death because I want to restore honor for my family. But you can't restore anything through hatred and anger. The only restoration that takes place is when, when we receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and when we extend that. When I've been forgiven, I can forgive others. And we must forgive because we've been forgiven. The debt that I couldn't afford to pay, Jesus paid for me. He forgave me, even though I didn't deserve to be forgiven. Because of that, I want to live my life extending that forgiveness to others. The second thing Paul prays for our enlightened or our lit up heart, to see the riches of his glorious inheritance. Yeah, the love of God is significant in Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, but very significant right throughout his writings. The love and the grace of God. This is a man who 
should have been punished for what he did to Christians. And God says, I restore you. I set you on a new path. Come on. Those that have been forgiven much, they get it. But I'll tell you what, our sin forgiven is everything. Sometimes we we don't see and we don't understand how significant our sin is and how devastating it is and what the mess that sin makes in our lives and the lives of those around us when we realize we've been forgiven from that sin. It changes the way we look at others. Our pursuit of things in this world can often make us lose sight of what really matters. What really matters is the glorious inheritance. We've got an eternity with Him. But you know what? We are His glorious inheritance. We are. We are His glorious inheritance. He's chosen us to be sons and daughters. Not not as slaves, but as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are in His inheritance through the cross. And the last thing that Paul prays is that they would see God's power for those who believe. God's power for those who believe. Paul's final request is for the Ephesians to be able to grasp the vastness of the one true God's mighty power. Why does he pray for this? And I, and I love the, the, the phrase he uses, incomparable. It's hard to say, incomparably great power. What it's saying is, you can compare a whole lot of different power sources. But God's power, incomparable. I mean, you can line them all up, but God's power stands above every other power source, every other magic spell, incantation, every demon, every god, every goddess that the, the church in Ephesus were wrestling with and having those conversations. What about all those conversations? What about this God? What about this religion? What about this faith? And Paul said, no, no, no. They don't even compare. They don't even get to stand in the same place as God Almighty, the glorious power that is at work in us. So when we feel the, the pain of our sin, when we, when, we, when we struggle under the weight of an addiction, we need to realize that we have a God and His glorious power wants to work within us. And I believe there's people here wrestling with addictions today. There's things that you've been just every day, even this week, again. It's locking you down. It's like a chain, a ball and chain on your ankle. You're saying, I can't break it. I can't get through it. This is going to be the rest of my life. No, it's not. There is a hope and a future, but it comes in a place of surrender. My question is, have you fully surrendered that to God? How much of it are you holding on to? How much are you still trying to control and even even try and get rid of it yourself? At that point where we say, God, I can't do this anymore. That is the point where we surrender to His power. In order to get the fullness of God's power, I have to empty myself of all of my power, which isn't much. Wherever you find yourself today, if you would empty yourself, say, God, I surrender. He will show you. He will fill you. You will know His presence and His power. Saul was knocked off his horse. Today, rather than being knocked off our horse, would we choose to bow, maybe kneel and surrender? When we willingly surrender our life to God, 
from that place, we then come under His truth. Our understanding is, God, I know who you are. His desire was that we would know Him, we'd know His power. I'm going to pray this prayer one more time as we come to a close. I want to pray this specifically over anyone here today where you have not surrendered your life to God, where He, he, he isn't fully in control. You've been living for yourself, but, but God is saying, would you trust me with your life? God wants to take the sin that separates us from Him and He wants to forgive us. He wants to cast that sin into the sea of forgetfulness, meaning, come on, don't go fishing in there. Once it's in there, it's gone, gone forever. That's how much God loves us. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He separated us from our sin. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. And if you're here today and you know you need God as your Savior, would you surrender in your heart? Would you come to a place of humility and say, God, I give up trying to do this on my own. I need you. At that place, God will hear your heart. He'll, he'll hear your cry of faith. He'll bring salvation, forgiveness of sin, and hope for your future. Let me read this prayer one more time. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, Elam Whangarei, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance and His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. Would you mind bowing your heads just for a moment? Would you ask yourself honestly where your relationship is at with God? Maybe you once walked with Him and today you're, You'd say, I, I, God, I really don't honor you and follow you like I, I know I should. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction, something that you just can't break in your life. Will you be honest with God today and say, God, I, I, I need to surrender this to you. Maybe you've never had your sins forgiven. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer of faith asking Jesus to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from that unrighteousness. Would you in faith pray that prayer with me today? Right across this place. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I didn't deserve it. And yet you did it for me. I believe that Jesus, you were raised to life and you are alive today. Please forgive me of my sin. I turn from my old way of living and I choose to follow you today. I choose for you to be Lord of my life. I receive your gift of grace in Jesus' name. Right across this place, with every head bowed, eye closed. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or you've responded to him today, on the count of three, would you raise your hand just straight up? I'm going to see your hand. You can pop it back down again. One of our team will spot your hand and connect with you after the service. One, God loves you. Two, He has incredible hope for your future. And three, why don't you raise your hand right now? That's awesome. Up the back. Anyone else this morning? 
Anyone else saying, yes, yes, I'm committing my life fully to God, holding nothing back, full surrender. Thank you, God. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Holy Spirit, may we walk out of this place knowing you more than we did before. May our lives be a constant pursuit of your presence. As Moses said, we don't want to go unless you go with us. So show us your glorious presence in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.